0: So hi Doug, I'm Nadia and I'm from zenonco.io and Love Heals Cancer. We guide cancer patients on adopting integrated oncological treatment approach. We help them find the right balance between mainstream t- treatment and complementary treatment approaches, right? So we help patients with our team of oncologists, nutritionists, lab experts and other healthcare professionals so that they can improve on their treatment outcome for this patient. Right? So we also help connecting patients and other cancer warriors who have gone through such a journey. And in addressing their queries uh, through such videos, we make sure that other people who are watching the video benefit from it. They take take home value with it. Right. And I'm so glad I'm here to share this inspirational story of yours with the world. And I'm going to leave this podium to you to tell the world what you've been through. And that's it. That's after you,
1: you can take it from here. So.
2: Sure. Thank you. Um, so my name is Doug Dalman. I live in, uh, I live in the U S and I'm currently 51 and I was diagnosed at 40 with stage three rectal cancer. Right. Uh, obviously it was a big surprise. It was, um, you know, diagnosed at stage three because uh, okay. symptoms had gone misdiagnosed for okay. years. There was bleeding that some nurses and some other health professionals thought might be something else, and it really wasn't until I had a, an annual physical when I turned forty that they discovered the tumor. Okay. And so that was pretty shocking, and that led to a uh, to a year of treatment. I went through. Uh, radiation and chemotherapy for uh, about a month and a half before surgery. Okay. And then I had a you know a pretty major surgery. I had a a colostomy um, and a tumor removal uh, in June of that year. And uh, then it was the rest of the year was going through some post-surgery chemo, which was was pretty difficult. And that ended in December. So from January to December of two thousand ten uh it was pretty much a hundred percent occupied with uh dealing with cancer okay. and it was uh you know i was i was a pretty healthy and active guy and that was um you know a lot of uh uh you know that that helped me a lot through treatment with being having been otherwise healthy besides cancer and uh after cancer you know i i used uh, you know, health and, uh, being active, trying to stay and getting back into physical shape as a way wow. for, you know, to motivate me to get back out there and just kind of try and live my best life. Yes, you're a fighter. So yeah, yeah. I, tr- you know, I tr- mm-hmm. try, I think everyone, everyone's a fighter when they're, when they're faced with uh, these kind of circumstances. Um, so, you know, afterwards I, you know, I got back into shape and, um one thing I did when I was coming up on five years out of being diagnosed, five years is a kind of a pretty big milestone. I wanted to challenge myself oh, yeah. physically and you know, to do something that was kind of out there, something I knew I could fail at. It really had to, a little bit of a risk. So I picked this crazy goal of uh doing a physique competition. So I did all this dieting and all this training and Around my five-year anniversary, I I went up on. at a local physique competition. You know, nothing fancy, but it was a local a local thing, and it was fun. You know, I got some photos of me being in great shape with my spray tan, and, you know, it was fun. It was fun. It was a lot of work, and I accomplished my goal, which was to, uh, you know, just overcome these challenges for myself, a challenge that would have been, um, pretty audacious even before I had cancer. And again, just to show the, you that a cancer diagnosis and getting through cancer is no excuse to keep on doing the things that you were going to do with with your life. Absolutely. You know, I, one thing I try to tell people who are newly diagnosed are, um, you know, write down a list of all the things you were going to do with your life anyways, before cancer, then just go out and do them. There's no reason why cancer can stop you. And, you know, part of my advocacy work that I do is not just for cancer survivors, but for people have, who have ostomies as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some people hear they're gonna have a colostomy and that's, you know, terribly upsetting and understandably so. Everyone is pretty upset when they first hear that news, but I'm, but I'm here to tell you, it's, it's really not that big of a deal. And you can do everything that you, again, everything that you wanted to do you thought you wanted to do with your life before cancer, before an ostomy, uh you can pretty much do it afterwards. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. So that was great. That was a fantastic goal. And uh, after that, I got back to um uh, the outdoors and backpacking. And in 2018, wow. when I had an opportunity between, yeah, between jobs, I I set out on the Pacific Crest Trail, which is a 2,500 mile trail from Mexico to Canada. And I got about 900 miles through it before my foot gave out and my body kind of gave up. Uh, Couldn't finish the whole thing, which was too bad, but um, it was a fantastic experience for the amount of time that I was while I was on the trail. And, uh, you know, since then, I have gotten a bit involved in the Colon Club, which Mm -hmm. is a U.S.-based. Uh, again, colorectal cancer advocacy group. They put out an annual uh, publication. It Used to be a calendar every year it's... that would feature young survivors with colorectal cancer.
1: Mm-hmm. And I
2: was in that calendar back in 2013. Okay. Uh, they now do a, a magazine featuring uh, you know the same 12, same number of people, 12 people, and tell their young survivors and tell tell their story. So it's a uh, it's a great publication. I'm on the board of that. Uh, organization, uh, which is uh very rewarding and very you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great group of people and um and in the last few years uh very very much so in the last six months i've uh oh uh, when i was a few years ago I met somebody who also had colorectal cancer mm-hmm. uh sarah uh DeBoard, and she was stage four and um uh, she passed away about a month ago mm-hmm. and the last um, what is it now it's august so since january i've been her primary caregiver as she went through hospice and uh so i've gotten to see you know not things not just from a from a, a cancer patient standpoint but from a primary Caregivers. caregiver standpoint yes.
1: yes
2: and that's uh you know it's um it was quite the experience to uh and, and uh, really, a, for me, an honor to be able to do that and take care of someone in their final months. Um, she has two young boys, so it was, you know, juggling between, it's a difficult job, you know, you have, and because I had been through cancer myself, I, you know, I could relate to some of what she was going through, certainly not the mental aspect of facing the end of life, but uh, taking care of her and taking care of her two young boys uh, while at the same time trying to stay afloat in my job, it was uh, you know pretty challenging time, and then you throw a pandemic on top of it, it, makes it even more difficult. You know, people you might not who would otherwise stop by to help you out, to help your kid, help you know take care of Aren't their kids to- for a little bit, all that stuff, drop off food. You know, they food was still dropped off, but still, it was um, a very uh, tough predicament having to be a primary caregiver during, uh, the time of a pandemic. Yeah. But, um, uh, so that, you know, as I mentioned, Sarah passed recently. So, um, uh, my role as a caregiver is over, but, um, still very much, um, there's still a lot of, uh, you know, aspects to that, that linger on, you know, grieving for someone and help and still continuing to take care of her kids and staying in their lives. So, um, yeah the, the the being a cancer primary caregiver is no joke uh there's a lot you gotta stay on top of and it can be just as uh draining and just as worrisome and stressful as in some respects too as being a, a can cancer i can patient i just well.
0: can i just cut in there and tell you that sure. uh uh i must say that uh you, you, you're. I know she's passed away um, a month back, and it, you're still grieving. I know that. I'm really sorry to hear that, but you are still in her honor, having her children and taking care of them, and you're, you're. I mean, reliving her memory, which is the most beautiful thing I'm seeing here right now. I must tell you, you're a really good man. You don't have to do it, but you're doing it. So.
2: No, no. It's, it's believe me, it's my pleasure and. You know, her her ex husband has her kids now, and um, as I move back to my hometown, I'll you know I'll be in their lives, you know, whenever I can. But um, it's, it's a different dynamic, and uh, you know that's what you do.
1: Yes,
0: that is that is you did the right thing always, always. But I'm so honored to have you know have this interview with you because you have been through it yourself. You've been a caregiver as well, and it just tells me how much of strength that you, you possess as a person. It tells me so much about you that you're just not willing to give up. You are just not willing to let it you know, take over you. And that talks to me so much about your mindset and the attitude you carry with you, sir. I have to applaud you for that. I really have to applaud you for that. I really do, really do. And more or less, I, I can imagine what chemo would have done to you. and. Can you tell us more about your
1: chemo experience? Just a second.:
2: Yeah, so um, the chemo I had leading up to surgery was um, it was five uh, FU, pretty basic stuff, and then just radiation to my pelvic region. So the, there wasn't much in terms of side effects okay. until the very end of treatment. I think it was a 45 day or 30 day. Course of uh, chemotherapy and radiation. All right. uh, I tried to stay very active, and I think my um, it was some fatigue at the end, and then just uh, the cumulative, just some soreness in that very in that region, some burning from the from the uh, radiation, which was painful, and and some cumulative fatigue. Uh, but it wasn't that bad. Uh, so we rested. Give my body a break between the chemo and radiation before surgery happened, uh, and then the surgery happened. And then after that, surgery was, uh, was, a, was a real big thing for me. It took me a long time to recover. Uh, a, lot of, you know, a lot of pain, took painkillers for quite a bit of time. And so we took a break after surgery until we started up um, some additional chemo. I think it was full theory. And that was really difficult for me to go through. Uh, For me, it was a lot of fatigue. Uh, It was like a three-week cycle. You would take the go for foreign infusion, and then take some pills at home over two weeks. Then you get a one-week off, and you could use that one week to recover. And you know, you'd recover a little bit before the next round started. But you felt a little bit worse every time before the next round started. And I was definitely counting the days until that treatment was done yes. it was only 13 rounds and i was very excited to do that uh sarah went through a year of that i only went through several months and okay. she tolerated it maybe she was just stronger than me but she she really but knowing that she was going through the same chemo treatment that i went through uh allowed, you know allowed me to sympathize a whole lot more Wow. With what she yes. was going through, and also to see how you know strong she was in dealing with more that. of
0: empathy so I would me, say.
2: yeah, yeah, definitely uh you could actually understand what what they were going through um and so the the side effects of that chemo, like I said, was just just a lot of lack of energy and fatigue and lethargy, and it was it was not as good after surgery and keeping in shape and active as I was before surgery, I just had to get off the chemo until I could really get back at uh, being physically active again.
0: Yes. And as far as I can see, as far as this conversation is going, I completely understand that you're a very physical active person. You cannot, uh, you cannot get yourself to just sit in one corner like that. (laughs) I mean,
2: no, (laughs) no. I, I, Very a yeah, challenge recently, but um, you know I'm, I'm eager to get outside a little bit more. I myself, that, I'm that like that too. A little bit more time to do that, yeah,
0: yeah. So I completely get your point, and the pandemic, like we said before, doesn't help. Yeah, we we're all stuck in our houses. I myself am stuck here. I'm in Mumbai, by the way, India. So um, mm. it is, it is still the same thing. Yeah, like, we're all stuck right. in our houses. Yeah. So um, coming from that, uh, going through such a situation where one has cancer and being of someone who is not really used to being in a place and being stuck to a bed maybe and having to go to therapy and uh, doing all of that and finding themselves weak. I completely understand being a very sportive person, you know, it would have taken a toll on your mindset. It would have taken a toll on your attitude your outlook is life in general all of a sudden right um could yeah. you explain to us how uh how your life was before cancer how it happened through the cancer stages and then how it happened right now could you just guide us in terms through?
2: of just mindset and
0: in in terms of your, of your mindset and in terms of your lifestyle
2: yeah yeah no um you know, I think uh, I can just just distill all of that down into, well, you know, when I was I was in a little bit of a rut before I got I got cancer. Um, things professionally weren't going very well, mm-hmm. and um, I think that had a lot that you know, a lot of anxiety with work. I think I had a didn't help with uh, cancer getting cancer. Uh, when I was going through cancer, okay. it was kind of some ways a relief because life became very simple very focused yes uh you're just worried about surviving Mm -hmm. and making it through the day Mm -hmm. you're not worried about all the the day-to-day real life things that are you know that you deal with career and you know just just everything else with life i was just focused on surviving and getting through cancer
0: i like how you so
2: you know once you once you make it through, in my case, you know the one year of treatment, you you know you slowly start to re inject yourself back into real life, and and for me, my biggest fear was to just be dropped back right onto the same conveyor belt, you know, rat race of life, where you're worried about career again, and uh, just again all the all the other pressures that people put on themselves to do everything you want to do and um life
1: in itself slowly, is stressful. You know, I
2: think, yeah I think you know I think um and over time as cancer is a little bit more and more in the rear view mirror you just your life gets back to normal that just happens that you're caught up on some of the same stuff that you were before and you know but that's you know I think there's some real life stuff that you have to you know you have to accept and you can't always live like a cancer patient and have that kind of singular focus on just surviving, you know, for your entire life. So, but one thing I did take away was to, um, you know, make more time for myself and take advantage of the opportunities to do fun things with family and friends and have adventures. And, uh, you know, when those opportunities come up, take advantage of them. So it's a little bit more of living life in the moment. You know, it's not like I'm eating, you know, buckets of ice cream every night because I think that's how I want to live in the moment. But it's not <laughs> going on, you know, I'm not going on vacation forever and ever. You know, I'm, I, there's real life things that I have to do. But, you know, you, you realize what you want to do in your life and that tomorrow is promised for nobody. Okay. Uh, certainly, you know, you, you're looking mortality in the face as you're going through stage three cancer, you're worried about surviving and you, I've been involved in the colorectal cancer community for, you know, a good number of years now. And you see a lot of people who are a heck of a, a lot younger than me who didn't survive. Um, and you know, they didn't get to do all the things that they wanted to do. So when those opportunities arise, I, I take, I take them.
1: Yes. And, you
2: do. Uh, some <laughs> opportunities, uh, you create, um, you know in twenty eighteen uh twenty seventeen I was kind of not too happy with my job and so i I made a plan one year from then to uh quit and then do that that pacific crest trail hike you know was, um and and that was great and uh that allowed me to move back home to be closer to friends and family and you know that's that's more important to me and that's probably something else that has come into focus going through cancer is you realize you know those things that are important to you so um i'm in a much better job now i'm I'm where i want to be and uh so things are are pretty good and uh, like i said the cancer gave me the um the courage to or the wisdom to realize that life is short tomorrow's a promise to nobody and then you know from that the courage comes to uh to make those big changes that you need to make
0: I mean, look at you. Look at look at this conversation. It's so positive. It's so... I mean, I can feel your positivity all the way here. <laughs> I mean, we're so far away in distance. <laughs> but still, look at you. I, I love the way this conversation is going. I just love your energy. I love how positive you are today. How positively you're talking to me about a situation that people are... You know, see, they dread that situation. I mean most of the people the minute they hear they have something called cancer it's like no this is the end i mean what would you have to say to people like that
2: well you know there I, I have run across a lot of people who are um they out of fear or for whatever reason they uh they, they have a very negative attitude exactly um
1: And, you know,
2: I think I, you know, when you you first get that diagnosis in your life, you'll, so diagnosis, your life is turned upside down. But, um, you know, I think you've got to, you know, just um, find, put a healthcare team together and ask them a lot of questions and all your questions. A lot of fear comes out of uncertainty. Mm -hmm. And so, you get your getting your questions answered by professionals is helpful and goes a great way. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're the kind of person that was worried about everything and then you get cancer, that you know, that's going to be a challenge for yeah, sure.
0: It is. It is. Uh, so I was talking more of the lines of people who aren't able to find this positivity that you have like yeah. th- how how do they cope how would i mean we're all brought up in different ways all in different societies different ways of seeing life and different ways of per- perceiving things i would say so um a majority of the people would like i said once they once they have a professional tell them okay um, you have cancer and this is what it is um rather I mean, how do, how do your caregivers, how do your family, how do friends, how do other people support you? Where, where You have the freedom to lean on them.
1: You have the freedom to take their support and be okay. Yeah?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you've got to lean on other people and um, it's, it's, um, it's tough on people who are around A cancer patient like that, because they, you know, they they have to give and they have to provide support, and that can be draining Mm -hmm. if uh, the person is the kind of person that is never reassured or they're always um, worried or scared.
1: Exactly.
2: And I'll be honest, I think there's some people who who just like the attention and. You know, there, there, this, this may sound um, not the best, but I think there's a small number of people who, when they get a cancer diagnosis, then the, the fear and they, they kind of use that cancer diagnosis to get a little bit of the extra attention. Right. And they, and they, and you know, they, yeah. it, it's, it's a more of a social media thing, you know, woe is me, look at me.
1: Okay. And,
2: um, i think that's kind of a negative thing when people do that but you're not going to you know people will try and be supportive but they don't necessarily take the support they keep uh, putting out a woe is me um, attitude and that's that's difficult to overcome Uh, i don't know what to say to that i think i've seen those people who just kind of stay in a negative mindset forever and ever Mm -hmm. um and that's that's not good um you know if you i think uh positivity is something that's important Um, it does affect, you know, your body, how you uh, look at things, look at the world. And if you're dealing with cancer and you're always down all the time, I think, um, that doesn't help. Um, so I think people, I think the resources out there, I think people who have, who, who, who initially respond that way, they will go out and try to seek help and look to others for support. But, you know, in in some respects, it's up to them to, uh, to own being positive.
1: Uh, You
2: got to find silver lining, you know, it's cancers cancer's a raw deal and it sucks. Uh but people make it through it, you know, and the, if the statistics are are what they are, if you're facing stage four cancer and you see a five year survival rate of fifteen percent, well, you know, that means fifteen out of a hundred make it past five years and maybe you're one of those fifteen. Exactly. Now look at Sarah she she survived for over nine years with uh stage four. So she was an exception. And you know those are just statistics you gotta you've got to look for something positive and it's out there if you look for it you find it um it? and uh whatever situation you're you're faced with you, you you make the you you make the best of whatever time you have
1: amen If you really are
2: in a terminal situation that's horrible that's terrible to get that out of the blue but uh i know people who have gotten a diagnosis, a terminal diagnosis, and they're gone within a year and a half and they do amazing things, create memories and, you know, they do everything they can to live as much as they can in the time that they've got.
0: Yes, yes. That is is exactly the outlook that, I mean, we're trying to give people who are watching this video as well. So um, with respect to you, I would like to ask you more about your caregivers in the hospital, your doctors, your family. Uh, Who else was there as part of your caregiver
2: system? Um, You know, when I was going through cancer, um, I I really didn't have a caregiver. I didn't have a partner. Uh, Maybe my dog at the time Mm -hmm. was, you know, my emotional support Mm -hmm. there. But, um, you know, uh, everybody was there around me offering support. And you know i I took it when I needed it. Mm-hmm. I just kind of went through chemo and radiation on my own up front. I drive myself to treatment. I go for bike rides, stay in shape after work uh during you know after the surgery, I had a lot of family members come out and uh support me immediately there after surgery. But I did pretty good in terms of hand, being able to take care of myself that uh once you know their visits were over. I just kind of took care of myself and I kind of like the quiet time and the downtime. I just want to sleep. And uh, every once in a while friend would come over to bring me cookies or just sit and chat with me. And that was great, but it wasn't uh an ongoing thing. It's just who I am. I think, yes, um, yeah. you know, the health team was fantastic. I, I did go, I did go for a while to a, um, to a support group at mm-hmm. the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, they had one beforehand, but they, they had one. And I tried to I attended the meeting before surgery, and I just felt this wasn't for me. And mm-hmm. then after surgery, I went again, and I'm like, "Wow, you know, I really do need this," because I had to mentally adjust to life with a colostomy, and that was kind of a big deal.
1: Yeah. that's a very
2: big. You know, I think my recovery physically um, was a lot quicker than my recovery uh, mentally mm-hmm. and emotionally. That that took years for me to become comfortable with my my stoma and uh, going to that support group uh, really, really helped. Really, so helped. that was probably, you know from a caregiving thing, but I didn't have any any family in the area, and mm-hmm. I had some you know friends uh, mm-hmm. who would stop by. So, it, uh, you know, I I didn't have a very traditional uh, caregiver support network.
0: Right, right, but the community, I mean. To realize that there are other people out there who have gone through whatever you've gone through, I mean that the support that they would have given you, the kind of empathy they would have said, "Okay, you don't have to explain your situation. They already know what you're going through." Yeah, you say, yeah.
2: You know, uh, I will say, and this was years after I went through cancer. I mentioned that uh, calendar thing that I was in in 2013. So they you know they pick 12 people to be in that calendar and they fly them all out to a location and you know for a little like at the photo shoot where the photos are going to be held for the calendar and it's at somebody's house on a lake and that weekend that week it was three or four days but you're you're with 12, 11 other people who are all your age range they're all young and they've all gone through what you went through that weekend was incredibly Healing for me, and like you said, you know, you you don't have you, these. It's hard enough to find any one person in your hometown who is going through what you've gone through, but then to find eleven other people and to really sit and talk, you know, about what you, your experience is, and then hear these people have gone through the exact same thing. That was uh, an incredibly, uh, it's an incredible healing experience. and very let it out. You, know, you just let up it out. From- yeah yeah it's like therapy and uh you know we see so i've been back to that event a number of years now uh, as part of being on the staff for that group and you i see it happen every year you bring together 12 strangers okay. and by the end of the week they're all they're all friends for life
1: oh
0: wow that 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 is the best feeling isn't it <laughs> yeah it's
2: great
0: it is one of the best feelings ever just you know strike a chord with a person and then you just have them to yeah. life yeah yeah so, um, again, coming to your your journey with this disease, I mean, people have seen it in different ways, in different people, in different types, and I mean, there are so many different types of cancers, aren't there, no? Yeah. Yeah. Finally, when you actually took up the report and they told you you were cancer free, what was your reaction? <clears throat>
2: Oh, well, you know, pretty elated. You know, you're, you get that first scan after um, surgery and you're, you know, you no know evidence of disease and it's great. You know, it's, you don't realize how stressed out you are until after you get the results <laughs> and you get yeah. this huge wave of relief come over you. But, you know, it's five years of blood tests <laughs> and scans and colonoscopies. And it's really only until, to me, five years out, uh, you know, when they say, "Okay, we're not going to monitor you anymore," that you really feel like you've you've escaped.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, and that's wonderful. But everybody, myself included, you know, you're you're used to playing with a safety net, and now that you're not being watched, you're and being tested you worry about cancer coming back and it not being caught early enough but um, it's, it's it's tough to let go of that security blanket
1: it's tough it's tough but
0: still i mean you're in a much better place now physically mentally emotionally absolutely much better yeah. now. and what would you what would your words of wisdom be to everyone watching this move watching this video sorry
2: yeah, my words of wisdom is, you know, don't let cancer stop uh, you from living your life. Um, you know, you're going to, if you get through it and, you know, you're you're done with treatment and you go on, you know, allow yourself to do all the things that you were going to do. Uh, don't hold back, you know, still, you know, live, dream big and all that stuff. Do, go do the things that you were going to do anyway. Yeah. And if you get a diagnosis, and, you know, it's, it's a long, it proves to be a long road and it, it's a chronic thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you do what you can. You, you make the best of the situation and still continue living the best life you can under those circumstances. You know, um, Sarah, you know, she was a big advocate in the community and she worked with a lot of uh, mom newly diag moms who were newly diagnosed with cancer, mm-hmm. who has, kids and they all struggle with parenting how do you parent and sarah would say you know parent from wherever you're from wherever you are if you can only be a parent on a couch and watch movies with your kids you know do that and you know if you have to bring your kids into the infusion room and you have to be their parent from an infusion chair so be it you're still their parent you do what you can and um you know you you just live the best life that you can don't let it overwhelm you you can't just roll up into a ball and sit in the corner
0: Mm -hmm. and that is such a that is such a beautiful message that is such a beautiful message i'm pretty sure so many people are going to be benefiting out of this like look at you look at you telling them what to do i mean wow that is you're speaking so much from a place of power (laughs) so much strength and power anyway um talking about stigmas and myths attached to cancer have you faced any of them being in the society that you are?
2: Um, no stigmas with cancer. You know, and I, I will say I was a little bit worried when I changed jobs. Mm-hmm. A few years after finishing cancer, I, I made sure there, there was nothing on social media about me having cancer. Nowhere on my, any of my own social media accounts. I just didn't want to get stereotyped or passed over for a job because i i had cancer in the past. Yeah. And that was a big fear of mine. Um but i think uh so so that's the only real stigma i faced with cancer. The bigger stigma is having an ostomy. Okay. And um you know i was single when I went through cancer and single for a number of years after going through cancer. So, so trying to, you know, date somebody,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
2: you know, you, there were a lot of women who you would tell them eventually you have a colostomy and that's the last time you would see them. Uh, but I was also very pleasantly, and that was a big fear of mine, uh, but I was pleasantly surprised that uh, there were a lot of women out there who, you know, were able to overlook that. And um, yeah, so the ostomy stigma is, is, is really a big stigma. It is. Um,
0: yes. yes, it is. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm just so glad how, how easily and how beautifully you're also being so open with me about everything. And I'm pretty sure so many people are going to see this and want to be like you. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, gratitude, the word gratitude. What do you have to say about it at this point in your life? Uh,
2: gratitude. Um, well, I'm, I'm thankful for uh, um, everyone who has helped me along the way. I'm thankful to the healthcare team and uh, everyone at the cancer center that treated me. You know, not just the physicians and the surgeons, but everyone down to the the oncologist, you know, the the nutritionists and the oncologists and the nurse practitioners you, and then yeah, all friends and family and really the whole community uh, that I've really gotten to know over the years. Uh, it's a pretty strong group and pretty grateful to have met uh, because of cancer I met so, ma- uh, so many amazing people.
1: Who are now friends for
0: life like you said, yes.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. How, how were you able to manage both Uh, personal life and work while the treatment
2: was going on uh work work working cancer
0: yeah work and cancer like personal life yeah
2: working cancer um you know i work from home what i do is very uh i'm a patent attorney uh by trade so Mm -hmm. i just sit in front of the computer all day it's really no big deal um Mm -hmm.
1: for me to uh at least going through cancer and um
2: you know, when I was going through cancer, my employer was fantastic. You know, they gave me a, a we had um, I was able to leave work uh, and they were totally fine with it. They covered it. And they're like, just come back when you can. That's
0: amazing. Um, that is amazing. That is
2: Wow. Yeah, it is. Uh, chemo brain is a real thing. And, uh, you know, trying to do to do legal writing at the same time while being on chemo is very difficult. You read sentences where it's like, I know what each one of these words mean but just that means I just don't get it. And you read it five times and you're like, okay, I just, not today. So oh. you go lay down, try again tomorrow. And it yeah. was, wasn't only until I was off of chemo for a while that I, that those effects went away. And then when, when they did, I felt like, you know, Superman, because I could actually think straight again and critically think. So, um, so working cancer, you know, I, um, it's, it, it, you know, even having an ostomy, it's no big deal. Um, But I know that it can be difficult for some, uh, especially if you've got a, you know, someone who's a pretty intense physical labor and they have to have an ostomy, you know, there might be some questions about whether or not they can continue doing what they're doing. Exactly. They can, but the the stigma is that they can't and they have to do, you know, their employers have to do a little bit of uh, learning and uh, sometimes uh, new ostomates have to educate the people around them about what it means there's, there's a lot of ignorance a lot of people don't know what having an ostomy means
1: yes
0: yes the awareness that's what you that's what you're getting at yeah general awareness of how to because generally speaking i've heard a lot of people say that when they go to a store people just i mean when you're going through chemo there's a lot of bodily changes that you can see that oh this person is different from the others and people generally tend to ask or point out those differences. Um, I mean,
1: yeah, I, I,
2: I didn't experience that personally. Um, I already had no hair going into chemo, so it wasn't like I had a lot of hair to lose. Um, and I didn't, I I didn't see that. Nobody would really know that I had cancer. You know, I'd wear a, you know, my infusion pack, was in a fanny pack around my waist and that could just hide under a shirt so people wouldn't see it but i i see it a lot more with women you can see you know when you're with somebody who is going through chemo and they're wearing some kind of headpiece i've had people come up to them and say you know i'm sorry to to bother you but you know i'm guessing you're going through cancer and they'll, they'll offer them some words of encouragement, okay. and that, and, which is fantastic. And usually it's other female cancer survivors who go up to a who they can tell is a woman going through treatment, and they yes. offer them words of encouragement and support. So that's, that's fantastic when you see that happen. Um, I don't see too many negative experiences, and mm-hmm. I haven't been uh, the subject of any of those myself
0: wow that that really is great that is i mean that will really put you in the mindset that you are today like uh, because there are so many others who have told me this so i mean you're lucky that way i would say
1: yeah um, yeah
0: yeah coming to self examination how important is self examination what do you look for what do you expect to find the, because we have people going to the doctor because they had a small stomach pain and landing up with cancer, maybe constipation, landing up with cancer, something so small. Right. So what, what would you say? What do we observe on our body? How can we self-examine ourselves the best way possible?
2: Well, for, for colorectal cancer, you know, there's a certain number of symptoms that should be clues that something, is, something wrong is going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the biggest is uh, blood in your stool or blood in the toilet bowl. You know, if you see that, that's, that's not normal. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard the story where people have that going on for a long time. And, they, and myself included, they feel that, oh, this is just normal for me. Blood is not normal. So if you have that, go in, to your, you know, go, get che- go get it checked out. Um, you know, if you're experiencing uh, rapid weight loss, that's a symptom. Um, if you, you know, if you feel constipated and have it gone for a few days, that can be a tumor blocking, you know, the the intestines. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are things to watch out for. And, you know, that's a self you know, you, but you can take yourself and you can make that doctor's appointment. But that's just the first step. You have to, if you're not getting the input from your physicians that you would like to hear, or they're not offering the diagnostic tests that Mm. really are needed in order to diagnose colorectal cancer, go find somebody else. You know, you're the patient, you're paying their salary. So you're driving the bus, you you're leading the team and you know, you can kick them off your team. Go find another doctor. Um, You know, I can't tell you how many people, I know how many people who, who were, uh, who were uh, diagnosed with a later stage of colorectal cancer because of the delay in diagnosis. I uh,
0: is very important timing.
2: They're like, you're just too young. It's not colorectal cancer. It's gotta be something else. And they just, mm. they just blow them off. And that's something that you can self-exam all you want, but there's a, a change that needs to occur in the mindset of uh, healthcare professionals that you know, colorectal cancer can happen to anyone at any age. And they need to be thinking about that.
0: Yeah, yes, absolutely. I completely agree. Coming to my final question, and, um, you know, I would, what, are, what are the lessons you've learned through this entire experience? And how would you sum it up for all of us watching?
2: Well, you know, um, I think, like I said, my big message is um, don't let cancer prevent you from living your life. Mm-hmm. um to me that's that,
1: what did it teach you
2: though lesson.
0: Hmm? what did it teach you though as a person what did it teach you
2: well it taught me that um you know you, you gotta you gotta take care of yourself and uh you gotta be aware of symptoms and you mm-hmm. you you know you you are the one again driving the bus when it comes to health care uh you have to be your own health advocate um you know, the doctors are, you know, before they walk into an exam room for you, they're, they just walked out of an exam room of someone else. And they might be just looking over your, your folder really quick for a minute or two uh, before they walk in and ask you how they can help. They're, they're not as absorbed about mm-hmm. your case or your situation as you are. Mm-hmm. So if you feel you're not getting that kind of attention that you need, uh, speak up, go find someone else. That's. I think that's uh, a huge revelation to me about um, about healthcare. I think a lot of patients just think the physician is God and whatever they they know everything and whatever they say must be followed. Well, that's that's not the truth. That's not the case. They don't they don't know everything. Different doctors can come to different opinions.
0: Absolutely. If you don't yeah. like
2: what you're hearing, go find somebody else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's been such a pleasure talking to you, Doug, such a pleasure, oh, such, a, you too. such an eye-opening conversation here. I mean, I learned so much myself. I cannot imagine how many people out there watching this video might just learn <laughs> all their queries being answered by someone who's a caregiver as well as a patient. Like you've been both and you've seen both sides of the spectrum. I mean, that is just a lot of experience for a one person. <laughs> Yeah. It is an honor. Let lot. me just say that. Let me just say that. It oh, is thank an you. Honor. My pleasure. Yeah, it is an honor. Thank you so much for taking this time out to talk to me. Thank you so much. It it thank really you. means thank a you. lot. And I want to thank you on behalf of Zen Co, on behalf of
1: Love, Love Heals Cancer and have a beautiful day. Keep inspiring us all. Thank you.